Hey girl, Heather Nelson here. Welcome to Life Conversations with a Twist. I'm so excited to build a community where I inspire and empower women who are going through hard times. I can't wait to share with you women who have unique stories and have overcome hard times in their life. So grab your favorite cocktail, lean in, and let's cheers to empowerment, ladies. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Life Conversations with a Twist. I'm super excited to have a friend who I've met along the podcast journey, Christine, on today. Um, She has a really cool story and um, everything she's doing in her life um, is very inspiring as well. So I hope you double into that. Um, But tell us a little bit about you and your journey and all the things. Well, hi. Thank you for having me on. My name is Christine Barr, and I'm coming to you from North Dallas, Texas. Um, I live, yeah, and everybody from Texas has to tell you they're from Texas before they can even say anything else. I think it just kind of sets the platform of like what you're dealing with, right? Um, Big personality. It's always like our shy people are still big personalities, right? Um, but um, I am in my early 30s. I'm a mom of two. I am a coach for relationships and connecting and communication um, and making sure that that comes through because I feel like we need that. Um, I'm also the co-owner of Align Her Coaching with, um, you know, our mutual friend, uh, my business partner, Darcy Elizabeth. And we're just, we're just changing the way energy flows through relationships and the way you communicate with others. Um, I am a big margarita and queso, white queso. I have to always say that white queso and chips and salsa patio. We're almost to patio season. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. (laughs) I love that. I'm like, I wish you lived closer so we could enjoy a margarita together. Yeah. But when I make it to Texas, I will be calling you. Yes, yes. You have yeah. a place here. You have a place. Don't I even have to it. ask. <laughs> Just show up. <laughs> so um, my obviously the podcast is all about, you know, people's life twists, right? Like what things that yes. we've gone through. And I feel like everything that we've gone through in our lives have kind of make us who we are today. And um, you have a very unique story and probably one that most people can resonate with, um, which you wouldn't think that it would. And I remember uh, when you, when I first heard your story, I was like, oh, and then now, like even on the radio today, somebody was talking about like a gambling addiction. And so I'm like, this is such an interesting topic. And I didn't realize like what a thing it is. Yeah. Um, so do you want to dive in a little bit of what your story is? Uh, yeah, I, I will say when it comes to gambling addiction, it's almost like food or alcohol because it's not um, illegal. Right. If someone I'm from Oklahoma, which is like meth capital, right? Like that's where I'm originally from. So I think meth jokes are funny. But then if you're not around that, they were like meth, like who are your friends? It's just something I grew up with. Right. So those are the types of deep dive addictions people are used to hearing about. Even sex addictions. We know that there's dangers there. We know there's alcohol dangers. There's all, you know, food dangers. There's a show, my 600 pound life, you know, all those things. But like when it's not illegal, it's kind of hard to say, hey, this is harming you until you're in it. You're in the low of the low of it. Um, So my husband, and I don't necessarily call it an addiction because normally addictions, you can't get out of the cycle, nor can you even play with it. You know, you can't take an alcoholic to a bar, even 20 years later. He had an 
a gambling problem. That's how we like to define it because we, we can go to a casino, we can go to Las Vegas and the temptation's not there. It was the reason why he was doing it. Um, so for us, he, oh my goodness, we were getting married. Um, we had been together for six years at this point and it comes through, he didn't come home one night and I lost it. And we have been together every day, like less if it's a vacation or work thing, we're always together. So for no call, no text, I'm calling his father, I'm calling his wife, family members, people from his job, and no one knows where he is. Now, in Texas, there's no casinos here, but there is in Oklahoma. We live 45 minutes away from the border. So it's so easy. You jump on 75 and you're there and you can jump back on 75 and come home. It's not a hard way to get it. Now it's not down the street either. So he stayed all night gambling. And um, side note, footnote, I just found out we're doing our taxes. We're still dealing with the money part, right? But I just, uh, we were doing our taxes and he made $13,000 that night. Did we see it? No. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. That I just found out that in the last week. Um, so he was gambling big. Like this isn't just like penny slots. He's doing hundreds at a time. Um, so we go through counseling. We're working through it and we kind of slow down on the counseling. He's not giving me all this information. I kind of let it go. But the problem was, is that I didn't stay on it and we didn't fix the problem either. Right. We didn't say, hey, why are you doing this? What's going on? He did hit a very big jackpot. I think it was like fifty thousand dollars. And that's where it sparked. And he kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. Um, so you have this. I don't like calling it a race thing, but you have a white male that's never had any issues in his life and not privileged. Uh, OK, white privilege. Yeah, but that's a whole nother episode, girl. And you know how I feel about white privilege. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a thing that's not a thing. Right. But with his background, he's the golden child, never had a problem. He makes badass money, has a house. He hasn't had any other problems, no issues, no like my girlfriend's being mean, all these other things. Like He didn't have those kinds of things going on. So he's never had to deal with a problem or even have to come up and say, hey, I, you know, I fucked up on something. So he has this pride, this ego that's blocking his ability to talk and be open. So uh, we end up um, it was three weeks before our wedding and he still hadn't gotten the marriage license. And, you know, you know, when you're a woman and you like this ain't right, like something is happening and mm, no. Mm. So, know. right. They, they try and like hide it. We know. Right. And I've been with him for six, you know, six years. We have kids together. It's not like something's up. And I hit him with, hey, have you gotten the marriage license yet? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. He's like, I, I got to get a day off to go do that. And I'm like, okay. And two days later, I just came up and I was like, even if you got the marriage license, I'm not going to sign it. I said, and not until you get whatever you got going on fixed, I'm not signing that. And he was like, well, then why are we even getting married? And I was like, because it's going to, we're going to lose $20,000 if we do. So let's go ahead and have this little dog and pony show. And then after that, we'll figure out everything else. But I ain't signing nothing until you get it. And 
again, a little backstory. I was previously married and my ex-husband messed up my credit. And I knew that if we were legally married, that my credit would be messed up based off of his gambling debts. And if we both have messed up credit, how can we help each other out along the way? I never said I didn't want to be with him or, you know, this isn't going to work for me. It was simply if you have fucked up credit and then I marry you and then you mess up my credit. Anything we try to do from now, I, I can't even co-sign for you. We're, we're now connected. So I'm thinking of this more of a logical thing instead of like an emotional thing. Like I've already had a wedding. I already had a messed up what marriage, but I learned some lessons, right? I, I'm not doing that again. Um, so we get, we have the ceremony. We have the actual wedding. Two weeks later, I'm like, okay, let's start looking yeah, at our finances. Yeah, go ahead. You knew at this point that he had a gambling problem. No, I thought it was that one time, a couple of times. I did not know it was continuous. Got it. Okay. Right. Um, so that's what brings us to this, this meeting. Right. And I'm like, okay, let's sit down. I have my own business at this point. So like my business debt is like $3,000. My personal debt is like $500 from that one time I went to TJ Maxx and ordered, you know, got like $100 worth of candles and like 15 pairs of shoes like this. That's my debt. And I'm over here like, please don't hate me. Like, you know, because I didn't tell them about that either. But that's my little $500 debts that I have personally. And then I have my business debts, which it was paying for itself. Um, so he gives me this piece of paper. And I when I tell you, um, what is that? Uh, a composition book, you know, that you get for the kids for school, the black and white, you know, um, subject book and three pages, three pages long. We still have this book of people he owes, things he owes, and debts that he's occurred. I do not flip out because I knew that something was up, right? I didn't say, what the hell is this? No, I knew he was making good money. I was making good money. I'm like, this is a pretty big hole, but we have a pretty big shovel, right? Like we, we, can, we, can, fill, we can fill this hole pretty good, you know? Like, okay, cool. It might take us two or three years. Then I found out the house was about to get foreclosed on. Then I found out we were about to lose our cars. And I'm like, oh, you cute, bro. You cute. And I still didn't. I still didn't flip out. I was like, okay, we just got to figure out what we're going to do with this. Um, And he's like, okay, cool. At this point, it's like one o'clock in the morning. I don't even think I've ever told this part of the story. (laughs) You're you're getting it raw today, girl. Um, (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) So I I was like, okay, well, it's one o'clock in the morning. He's like, I'm, I got to go to bed. I got to go to work in the morning. And I'm like, okay, cool. I start saying, I'm going to figure out how we're going to get out of this. So I go and look at debt consolidation. And I'm like, that's the only way. We're over the $100,000 mark. Now we're in six figures of debt right now, right? And there's personal loans in there. There's, uh, what is that? Pay now, cash now. Oh, what are those things called? Payday loans payday loan like yeah where they're like 200 percent yeah like yes um his mx has been like he he had perfect credit score before all this right so okay whatever and when i look at him i'm noticing like in my head i feel like it's more of a not necessarily the ego but i could tell like his pride of having to tell me And I didn't ever want him to feel like he was disgusting or I didn't love him anymore. So that's why I kind of kept my emotions on lock until I started getting this (laughs) until 
that's my question. Like how yeah. all this debt that he's racked up, like how long has this been that he's been doing this? Oh, at this point, I think it was about two and a half years. Almost. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think it got bad until he hit the jackpot. When he hit the jackpot in that high, that's what I thought it was. Okay. Which the $50,000, did I see it? No. I got like, I'm, I might have gotten $1,000 that he was like, hey, go get yourself something cute. That I think that was it. I found out later that he like had my ring, my wedding ring and my engagement ring financed. I'm like, well, how the hell would you finance that when you had $50,000? $50,000 is life-changing. $10,000 can be life-changing. It can get you caught up, right? Um, so <laughs> I have to get his social security number, his birthday, all that other stuff, which I had most of it, but I needed his phone for, um, what did I need his phone? Oh, with the debt consolidation to send it to his email. So I'm sending it, I'm signing him up for it. So I needed his emails and then bring up his email. So I bring his phone in, I'm putting it all in. And then FBI, oh girl, it came into me. I was a FBI member and a wife and a mom all at the same time. And it felt good. And I was like, oh, we got deep dive in these emails. I found him begging for money from, from the casino I then found out that he was a triple diamond member, which you have to spend over $250,000 to even get in. Yeah, that's where it starts. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm, I'm now my temperature is rising. We keep on going. I'm looking through text messages and he's telling people like this wedding is going to be so elaborate that that's why he needs these loans. He's lying to people about things that I needed and like, you know, we got We want this and we want this and we want this. And like, can you help us out? He's in, that's how he's getting these you know, these loans for uh, like the personal loans, because the bank's not giving him anything. His credit cards are maxed out. Like, where is all this money going to come from if he wants to keep on going? And that's when I lost my shit. And then I left it. I left it. And I was like, you know what, Christine, if he does have a problem, if, if this is a true addiction, that's what they do. They lie. They lie. They try to cover it up. I'm still I'm still calm. You know, at this point, it's like 2.30 in the morning. I'm deep diving in every email. And then I see that he went to the casino the Wednesday before our wedding and told me he was somewhere else. I'm a busy mama. And the last thing that I want to do is go grocery shopping. So I use Instacart. It's the best app ever. Download the app. You pick what grocery store you want to shop at. I use it a lot for Costco. I pick all the items that I want. You pick the time that you want it delivered and they show up right to your door. You don't have to go wait in line. You don't have to deal with people at the store. It's super quick and easy. All your items are saved. So each time I go to the store, I can just re-pick all my items and someone goes shopping for me. Instacart has saved me so much time and money. I'm one of those people when I go grocery shopping, I buy more things than I need. Uh, this keeps it limited onto the only things that I need for the week. I highly recommend it. You can actually get a free delivery on your first order of $35 or more. If you click in the show links and go to the link, download the app, put in the code, and you can receive your first delivery on your first $35. I promise you, you will not regret it, and you will never want to go grocery shopping again. So if you're interested in Instacart, take a look at the link. So 
okay, I, I just want you guys to know statutes of limitations on what you hear right now. I cannot be prosecuted for what I'm about to say. <laughs> disclaimer. Got it. Yeah. Disclaimer. I get my switchblade girl and I put it on my side. He's sleeping and I wake him up and I'm like, Hey, when was the last time you went to the casino? And he was like, uh, like, and I was like, just so you know, I already know the answer before you answer me. I just want to see if you're going to lie. And he was like, uh, it's been a while. So I stabbed his pillow so close to his face. You would like I wanted him to think that he was going to die. Like, don't effing lie to me. Like, I will kill you. Of course I wouldn't. Right. But I thought about it a little bit. Right. Right. And I think he needed that shock. So, of course, he's like, oh, I'm awake now. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) And I'm not uh, lying to her. Right. Exactly. And he was like, this is why I didn't tell you. I knew you would freak out. And as he's like following me around the house, girl, I grabbed a bucket. I grabbed his clothes. I didn't even know we had kerosene in the house, went directly to it, got it, went out in the backyard, put all of his shit in a bucket, lit that bitch on fire. And then he locked him and his daddy outside because my father-in-law lived with us. And of course, he got to be in the middle of a thing. OK, you you want to be in the middle of this? Y'all both can go outside and watch your shit burn. And so they're out there. They're just kind of talking like, yeah, just let her get it, this all out. And so I said, you ready to talk? And he was like, I don't understand why you're so upset. <gasps> oh, so then now I got to do something else bigger. So now I'm keying your car in the front yard, right? <laughs> like <laughs> now, now I got to go to the next level. If the fire wasn't it, then let's let's take it to the next level. And then he was like, okay, like now I want to talk. Well, he did put my fire out and that pissed me off more. So then I like relit the fire. He got the water hose and took it out. So I relit the fire and I was like, no, you're going to watch all of it burn. And so now that we're calm now, I like I just had I had to have that and that shock factor. He was like, okay. And to this day, he's like, that's hot. And I'm like, what about me getting to that level was hot? He was like, I've never had anyone show me love that way. Like to get to and he knew that I wasn't that person, but I think he needed to know that I care about you this much which is such a very toxic thing to say, right? But he needed to know that I am willing to fight to the point that I will light your shit on fire. Like I'm fighting for you right now. And I was hurting the fact that he didn't feel like he could tell me. I had no secrets. I have, I am literally giving you everything. We like, why could you not tell me? Fast forward. Um, we end up going to marriage boot camp where I'm a coach now there for relationships. And we end up finding out that when he won that $50,000 jackpot was the first time his dad told him he was proud of him. Wow. So every time he was gambling, every time he was hitting something big, it was to chase that feeling of having his father say, I'm proud of you, son. I love you, son. This is, this is what I want for you. And so it wasn't like normally addictions is to fill a pain. Normally an addiction is to to really go out because you're trying to numb yourself. He was chasing approval. Once we went through that program and, you know, now that we've been, I mean, we're on almost three years on the other side of this. 
when he realized that his father's approval really doesn't mean anything, nor will it ever give him that fulfillment, it stopped. Like, I don't need to gamble because he's not going to be proud of me no matter what I do. Or he has the issue. This isn't a me problem. That's a him problem. If, if you look at where he started from in his childhood, the way he is right now, it's like that is a success story in itself. So when he decided, oh, OK, I'm proud of myself and I and and I can do this. There's no need for him to gamble anymore. For me, on the other side, I needed to hear that as a, a wife, as a mom, as a, a woman, as a significant other, because I thought it was me. I'm like, did you I feel, feel like, like we always go to that, right? It's always, right. what did I do to make him react this way or do this mm-hmm. thing? Or it's like, but it, sometimes it's not that. It's something that's stemming from a future or a past thing. Yeah. It's really family related, which is interesting. Right. Right. And so I'm holding all of this like this. This dude don't know me like that. Like he's sitting here thinking all these things. Why can't you talk to me? Why can't like what about me isn't good enough for you to be able to open up so that I can give you the love that you deserve? And why is my love not enough? Why is my and so I'm going through this whole self-discovery because I, but let me go back a little bit. In my, in my past relationship, in my, in my first marriage, I was told that I was given the reasons why I wasn't good enough. And that's why other people were more important than me. So to hear that he, after all this time, like how much more committed do I need to be to you? I'm, I'm living with you. I have your kids. I said, yes, we're together. We've had time together. And yet I'm, that's still not enough. So I'm going off of my own triggers from my past off of this. So when he said, and we got that aha moment. Oh my goodness. That was the first time I heard my dad say that he was proud of me. That's why I'm doing this. I'm chasing that. Oh, all right. Well, then we can fix this. That ain't got nothing to do with me, bro. You got some problems. You should probably see somebody about that. I'm doing good over here. So you oh saying God, I, I love, love you. <laughs> right. It's so you're me. saying, it's yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, my God. It really isn't me. It's you. OK, well, all right. Well, you go work that out and we'll come back and we'll talk later. <laughs> um, so we right now we're still um what is that word residual those left backs that the things that come with having all those issues and for how long it was we're still dealing with the problems um we're really coming out of a really hard season right now and so excuse me that's one thing that I will have to say is the hardest part. And if anything you get from my story is that motivation and discipline sometimes is all you have. Emotionally, I'm dying. Oh my goodness. I like, for me, this has been hard. The other thing I struggle with is I'm living consequences for something I didn't do. Like, are you kidding me? I have to lose all I have because you decided to fuck around. Like, you, you know, it. that's hard. And when he acknowledges that and validates that, that's what feels good. 
But I feel like the story is, is like sometimes all you have is motivation to get out of it. Motivation and discipline is what you need because emotionally you will go under that rock. That's where that depression lies. And I call that more environmental depression. I will say that's where I am. Like, oh my goodness, girl, I miss my Botox so much, right? I miss getting it every three months. And now I'm on a six month schedule. I'm like, if I see my eyebrow move one more time, I'm going to lose my shit, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, I know what you mean, what you mean sister. <laughs> right. And then it's like, oh my, the girls want to go and do something. And I have to limit that. You know, before it was like every weekend. Yeah, we can go out like he wants to go and do a elaborate dinner. Oh, it's a four hundred dollar tab. We got that. We can do it. And now it'll be like, OK, so um, February, we normally do February. We do no spend months where if it's not a necessity, we can't spend it. And the money that we save goes towards the debt. That is so hard during Valentine's Day month, right? Where before we would do elaborate Valentine's Day. So it's just an, it's just a weird dynamic, but motivation and discipline is all I got right now. Emotionally, yeah, I want to get back in the bed. Emotionally, yeah, I want to, you know, sometimes throw something at him when he walks in through the door. But the thing is, is I have to say is that he has stepped up 110% and takes full responsibility for it. And that's what keeps me staying. The other question I get is, well, why did you get married if you knew that this was happening? I was in a previous relationship with abuse, with alcoholism, with drug use and all those other things. It was two different people. I was treated so badly when those things were on a binge or they were at that level. No matter if he won or lost, he came home and treated me with respect and love. Now, lying isn't all that, but I had no idea. I would have never known. I would have never felt badly if it wasn't. So for me, I knew his right intentions were there. I knew what kind of person he was on high stress. If your house is about to get foreclosed on and you can still be coming in and be like, Hey baby, how were you? How was your day? And it is not in a, I, I feel like I don't want this to take in as, Oh, he's just that good of a liar. No, like he could still love me unconditionally and deal with what I was dealing with, knowing the stress that he had on himself. And that's what kept me staying. He never treated me badly. I never got that. Do you not know what I'm dealing with right now? Like, can, I can't believe that you want to go out to dinner and, or, you know, whatever it may be. Like he didn't, he never got to that point of that. And I think that's where we see people's true colors is when they're going through something internally and they can't keep it together. No, he was still able to put me first, even though he was drowning. And I feel like I, at least I have the ability to put him first and let him work this out and see where this goes. And so now our relationship is better than ever, but yeah. Well, and it's something that can be fixed. You know, it's something mm -hmm. that if you both put your mind to it, it can be fixed. And I love that you guys have pushed through that and, you know, you support him no matter what they say, what, uh, what are your vowels? Like through thick and thin and all the things mm -hmm. like, yeah. yeah. like stick it through that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's too easy to, and the one thing I'm seeing right now that I'm really teaching on with couples is the difference between not being compatible and red flags. 
those are two totally different things. But I feel like social media, especially, you know, like they have the memes, they have, you know, what is it on TikTok? You can do the thing. What are your red flags? You know, and red flags are not the same as not being compatible. If I say, hey, I want a family and I want to start that soon. And you're like, actually, I really want to work on my career. That's not that's not a red flag. That is we're not compatible. A red flag is, oh, at dinner, we were only there for one hour and he had six beers. Now that's a red flag. You know, or I went to the bathroom and he hit on the waitress while we were on a date. That's a red flag. Uncompatible is, hey, I don't think that I'm going to want to leave Texas. And this person's like, well, I would like to move to Miami or um, my career is probably going to take me to New York. That's not being compatible. I want two kids. I want zero kids. I am. A, he's a mama's boy. That's not a red flag. That's how he treats his mother. That's that relationship. You're not compatible with that because that's something you don't want. It, it, those are two different things. And I think it's getting blurred. So now we have these women that have been putting their career first and not necessarily wanting to build a family right away. And he's like, well, I would love to like take care of you and I would like to do this and you stay home and take care of the kids. And she's like, red flag, red flag. And I'm like, no, don't tell him that that's a red flag because you want to work on your career. That's not fair to him. And then you do your disservice. And then what happens? I only find guys that have red flags. No, 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 no. You are sitting here looking for someone that has red flags, right? When I put that in quotations, which is really you're not finding anybody that you're compatible with. And then the next thing is, well, I want to be attracted to them, too. Trust me, if Quasimodo can find this girl with a hunchback and a weird eye because they're compatible and he treats her right, you will find them attractive if you're compatible. So and, agreed to that. So right? agreed to that. especially dating as much as I did. And like, I was always like the hot guy or the guy mm-hmm. that has the truck or whatever. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, that's not what matters. It's a matter of how they treat you. Right. And I will say from experience, it can all go away. <laughs> and you're going to still have to like the person. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Um, I had all those things uh, you touched on, and I would love to revisit this because I've had conversations with uh, women about this is when you have the financial conversation with your husband or soon to be husband and like how you go about that. And like, what kinds of things do you dive into? Because that's happened. You get married and then you find out all these financial things after, and you're like, Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know you had this much debt and child support or, Oh, I didn't, you know, like all these Mm -hmm. things. And like, when do you think is an appropriate time? And like, how do you approach that kind of conversation? So, um, I'm a Dave Ramsey baby. So I'm huge on Dave Ramsey. So I refused to put our finances together as combined joint combined until we got married. I will have to say we're still not married. I, it's been two years, almost three years, and I still have not signed anything. Um, I did have to do that whole like insurance common law thing. But outside of that, we are not legally married um, until his debt gets cleaned up. But I think the problem is, is that it's shifting. Women are making their own money now. And then it gets to, well, this is my money and this is your money. And I don't think that's right either. 
Now, do I think each person needs to have their own money? Yes, I do think that we all need to be able to have the ability to have that fun money and spend it how we feel like we should. But if you're willing to live with someone and you do not know their finances, that, okay, let, let's revisit that. I would never want to get an apartment or a house and not know someone's financial situation because it will hit you in the face later. We did, uh, we were out of debt though. We were completely out of debt before all of this happened, except for like house and car. We had one car that we were, but that outside of that, we didn't have any credit cards. So he opened all of these for the gambling, but we were very open. It was, it, I, I just feel like there's other things that are more important than money. So like having sex, I have this strict rule, right? Like I don't sleep with someone that I'm not willing to have a baby with because that's 18 years for hmm, how, how long, how long was that relationship? Right? Okay. But not, I'm not judging or anything like that because let's be honest. I used to be a hoe. <laughs> like, like I, I'm not telling you don't be a hoe. Have fun, girlfriend. All I'm saying is that you have to be really, really good at discerning who that person is before you take that next step. So when it comes to financial situations, I already knew how much he made. We did our taxes at the same time. So and then we were each other's big cheerleader. I had my own business. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, I hit a new high for this month. Uh, you know, I'm doing this. And then he's like, oh, my commission check came in. It's the most I've ever made. So we're constantly talking about our finances and where we want to go with them. The problem I see is it's happening now. And that's a really good question is that no one is willing to pull back that veil and say, this is all of me. And then you see it ripple effect in other parts of their relationship. So if they're not showing you everything in their money, which can be personal and it can be very sensitive, I get that. But there's probably a whole bunch of other stuff that they're not showing you then. You want to talk about red flags? That would be a red flag. If I said, hey, I want to see your credit score and they come back with, mm, I don't think we've been together long enough for that. Red flag. <laughs> like red flag. Like we got kids together over there. Right. Right. Yeah. We got kids together and you can't show me your credit score. Like you're willing to take me on vacation, but you can't show me your credit score. I feel like credit and, and I'm not putting a lot on the credit score. Or the, and I'm not saying how much do you have in savings, but that conversation. So, hey, I want to have a debt free life. And they say, no, I think consumer debt is healthy. Now, now that there's a conversation. It's kind of the same way with kids. You, we get married and never talked about who wanted kids or when they wanted kids. It's not how many. We don't have to get necessarily that specific because if neither one of you have it, you don't even know what that looks like. You can have one and be like, oh, I thought I wanted six and I'm going to just stick with the one. Right. You know? <laughs> or, yeah, I want to be a stay at home mom. And you have that first, you know, six months of being a stay at home mom. And you're like, nah. I need to find me a job. So there's always room for compromise. I just think if that conversation's never on the table at the beginning, then there's something that we need to really deep dive in. And that's, I would say that would be my biggest thing is it needs to be up there before a lot of other things happen. Just, just to touch on it. 
just to touch on it. And um, can, can I go off for a second? Yes. <laughs> um, that Love is Blind show. Did, did you watch it? Oh, okay. I'm still watching it. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So they are, they're about to get married and they go in and they're getting their apartments. Right. And he's like, I feel like we don't need to save money. We have money now. We should spend it how we want. And she's like, uh, no, I think we should save. And I might have my 401k. And he's like, Life is short. Spend it while you have it. And she's like, you can see she's not trying to fr- freak out on her face, but she's like, uh, well, I have enough money and enough savings for both of us that we could get a house. We could have a nice you know, future together. That, yeah, that should have been talked about in the pods. I'm like, what was talked about in the pods? <laughs> because a lot of these things I would have questioning, I question what you, how you live. Are you messy? Mm-hmm. Are you all the things that all these things pop up? I'm like, you, all you had to do is be in a pod. Like you had no distraction of like making out or having sex. Right, right. You're just communicating. What were you communicating about? Right. Right. I uh, totally agree. Totally agree. And that was, that was like one of those things I was like, why did you not have that conversation? Because they could have easily worked that out. It would have, it, it would have instantly looked like, okay, so what I hear you saying is, is that the bills need to be paid, but you would also like to have a larger fun money bank. And he could have been like, yeah, like, obviously he didn't want to be homeless. Obviously he doesn't. But she's taking this so harshly because she's on the other end. And so I just feel like that was something that could have easily been taken care of in the pod. But I also feel like if they had those skills to have those conversations, if they were truly had compatibility with someone before the pods, they could have easily been married already and in a good relationship. So not having those conversations is probably why you're on the show. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. No, I totally, no, agree to all of it. And I love that. Um, what is some advice you have? Cause you're Miss Relationship Girl. Like what are some um, advice tips that you can give these women that are listening in that might be struggling through any type of relationship? Um, that you have learned or that you see that like frequently come up that you can share with others? Biggest thing that I'm coming, well, I'll say what I see today. Normally it's all the same thing. Everybody thinks it's it's fucking about them and it's not, but let me deep dive on, let me touch on that just a little bit. Let's double click. It is very much not about you. When he snaps back at you and he's like, you're always doing this and you're all, it's not about you. It's not. And when you're like, well, he just doesn't listen to me. And I told him I wanted this. It's not about him, bitch. It's about you. All your feelings is about you. And I've even had clients that have been like, well, I know I'm perfect. I know that I haven't done anything wrong in this relationship. And I'm like, and you know me, I'm straightforward. I'm like, no, you're not perfect. And you have a lot of flaws and you should probably really start working on them. I'm not the person that's going to be like, oh, I can see why he's such a problem. Not that girl. I'm not that type of coach. And the reason why I say this is we sit here and we forget what that trigger came from. Mm. We forget where that trigger came from. And I will give um, my husband and I's example um, just just for a kind of how to see it. There is a sentence we all know that gets under our spouse's skin. You know what you can say 
to get them to that point. Still not having to do with you, but you know what you can say. Mine was, why did you do that? Uh, that's all I could, uh, that's all I, and I'm, you know me, I'm very inquisitive. I can ask 50,000 questions a day. And he's like, what do you mean? Why did I do that? And I'm like, uh, I just really wanted to know why you cut the yard left to right and not up and down. It looks so much better this way. I'm thinking positively and he thinks I'm attacking him. And I'm like, why? Like, I can't question anything you do. Now I'm getting like, you know, getting into his face. So if I ask a question, then you can't explain yourself. And then I, you know, and then I use my colorful words and he, then he uses his colorful words. And now we're in an argument on why he cut the yard the certain way. Like, come on, this is dumb, right? We go through our process. Now we have our tools. I found out that trigger comes from when he was younger. His father, again, not saying he's proud, but it always would be like, don't do it that way. That's dumb. Do it the way I told you to do it because this is the right way. And if you do it this way, then you're wrong. So he never felt good enough. So throughout his years, and now he's in his 30s, mid 30s, and he said, and I say, oh, so why'd you do it that way? He's like, why are you questioning me? That little boy that didn't feel loved, that little boy that was never good enough is answering my question. That's who I'm talking to right now. Did I start that scar? Did I start that trigger? No, but I'm getting the backlash from it. I am getting the backlash. So when you are in an argument and your husband or you ask a question and that thing that sets them off, mm, it ain't got nothing to do with you, but you're living with where it came from. When you feel like, oh, why did I say that? I'm pretty sure there's a time that you have really, really went through that has scarred you. And every time they make that comment, you are literally opening that wound back up. And wherever that wound started, that's where you're speaking from. So I invite you to really think of acting out of love. If you really love your partner, don't do that. What the loving thing would to, be, to do is figure out why that is a trigger say, hey, I notice when I when I ask you about a procedure or when I say, why did you do that? You kind of get testy. Can you explain to me? And they'll be like, I don't know. I just don't like to be questioned. And it's like, okay. So now I know that there's something there. And if they're willing, because you can't explore someone else's life, right? Their journey, their scars without them being involved. But I would start trying to piece those things together where you could say, oh, okay. That's the loving thing to do. N stop hitting the trigger, but at the same time, let, get kind of curious. Like, oh man, every time it's winter, they eat like crazy. You know, this is my husband, by the way. Every, every November, things get crazy. But then I found out, oh, there's a trigger in winter. Something happened in his past where he didn't this, 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 and this, and food was his comfort. So now I know when November hits, we need to start watching this. And then he comes and he finds and he discovers, oh, hey, November hits because blah, 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 blah happened. And that's what's causing me to go for this. 
so many things will be like released from you and you're not going to be arguing about the wand. And then, you know, when you sit back and you're like, this is dumb. Why are we arguing over this? Is because someone had a trigger pushed. You either did it on purpose or you didn't know and they didn't know. And you are fighting with that eight year old, that 13 year old, that that 23 year old. You come up behind her and it, it, and I know that we might have some different types of families here, different types of significant others. You come up behind her and you slap her ass. And she flips out. There's something there. That's not funny. You're hitting a trigger. You don't know if there's sexual abuse that is suppressed. You don't know if she was molested. You don't know if someone at her job did that to her and she was she felt like she couldn't say anything. You don't know if that hurts because she has something in her ass that hurts from something that happened. And all she knows is that girl that was scared, that girl that was hurt is answering you. And she doesn't have a way to communicate that to you. So it could be so many different things but once we don't, if we don't discover it and get curious and have fun with it, because I think it's fun, right? I want to, I want to know. I really want to know, you know, like, I, I think that just get curious instead of defensive. I hope I answered that question. <laughs> like, so, so, so good. And such a good reminder, because I deal with the same thing all the time with my husband. And, you know, his upbringing wasn't, you know, like mine, and it's, and it's different. And the way he reacts to things is so different. And so sometimes, like, I have to remind myself, like, he wasn't grown that way, or he doesn't believe that, or, you know, he was raised different. And so, I think it's so good. And it's also a reminder that like, we have our own triggers too, you know, and those things that they are, you get upset about. It's true. It's not something that they did. It's just something that they said that like brings you back to a time where you are not happy. And so I think that's, it's such a good reminder for all of us, including yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the more we talk about it and I'm, that was a really good question. That was a really good question. Thank you. So any other lingering advice or anything that you want to leave these listeners with? My biggest thing would be have fun discovering yourself, not in a sexual way. Um, no, do that too. I mean, that's uh, not <laughs> but have fun discovering each other people are always changing. And I've heard multiple of times, well, I, I mean, I'm always going to be like this. Nothing's going to change. I don't know if you saw my stories from uh, yesterday, but it's like when today you think you're not going to change. But if you go 10 years in the future and ask yourself how much you've changed, you're going to be like, I'm a different person. So much has happened. And so I just had a flashback from uh, something from my past came up from 22, 21 year old Christine. And I am now, you know, 30, almost 33. And here I am dealing. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's who I used to be. Oh, I've changed so much. So give yourself like some time, but discover it. And if you are the same person you were 10 years ago, that is sad, girlfriend. You should never be the same. Ten years passed and you haven't grown. Whew. I would really, really deep dive in why. Why are you not willing to grow? Because when you grow, it's what makes you happy and discovering new things. And it, and it could be something as simple as I started learning how to listen better. I learned how to clean my house. I learned a new language. 
I ran a 5k and I never thought I would do that. Or I got out of debt. You know, it could be anything. And that would be my biggest thing is grow, discover who you could be. Learn yourself, learn, learn what has made you the person that you are. And as always, just, it it doesn't matter. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. That person that cut you off, that person that cussed you out, the person that's crying in the corner, it has nothing to do with you. But focus on what does have to do with you. I think I think that's it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being on. I love yeah. your story. I love your energy. I love your advice. Um, I really needed this. So thank you. Yeah. And everyone else out there. And um, I'll put all your contact information of all the things you do in the show notes so people can follow you and listen to your podcast. Yeah. Well. yeah. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. We're going to do this again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please share this episode on social media and tag me. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share. I can't wait to continue to inspire you all.